Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. Hi, welcome to season four, episode 29 of Outside by Design. Hello, hello. I'm Iris. And I'm Lisa, coming at you live from Whitefish, Montana. Not live, but close enough. Yeah, it's live to us. As we're talking. And you're living your life now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today's a fun episode. Yes. Today, we have photographer Ruben Kraba. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He's a true creative. This episode's kind of funny because the first half of it, he recorded while sitting on a park bench. And then we finished up the recording in a different setting. So you might notice a difference in the sound quality and you can just smile at knowing that little inside joke. Ruben is here to talk about a film that he recently worked on, which you can watch by clicking the link in the show notes called Nebula, as well as some of his most recent projects. He talks about what causes him to keep going after facing setbacks his tips on shooting in the backcountry and making sure safety is still a priority, as well as how he takes care of himself in this crazy lifestyle. Yeah. Being a photographer is like the craziest lifestyle. Yeah. Let's hear about Ruben's lifestyle. Cool. Well, Ruben, thank you so much for being here today on Outside by Design. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be on. And the first question we ask everyone is to describe where they are and what they are looking at. And I think you have a pretty good answer to that. Um, Well, you might hear a Canadian goose in the background because I'm sitting in a city park in Calgary in between meetings out here. So occasionally they're getting a little bit vocal. And I'm staring into the sun and forgot my sunglasses. And there is a lady in a magenta jacket stretching her calves over there. So it's a pretty funny scene over here. (laughs) That's hilarious. And you're normally based out of Whistler, right? Uh, Whistler and Squamish, which is the town just in between Vancouver and Whistler. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, for our audience, um, who are largely creatives themselves or editors or journalists, marketing managers, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work and a little bit about yourself and um, we'll take it from there. Right. Uh, I've been working as a photographer for eight years now and I do ski, mountain bike, general tourism, and then occasionally get called in for any kind of job from architecture to a wedding photo. But I spend most of my time in the first three categories there. Uh, And I've ended up specializing mostly within ski photography. And um, I like working on sort of self-assigned projects as well that are um, places where I can be as creative as I want and hopefully not have too many people peering over my shoulder wondering why I didn't do things differently because I still really love the full open creative side of photography that you can get to if you choose to do those self, self-assigned self kind of projects. Totally. And so what are some of your current projects that you have kicking around? Uh, the biggest one would be this Nebula photograph and Nebula film, which I've been working on for about two years. Um, and I think we'll talk more about that later. And then maybe another one to point to would be uh, 
uh, this snowflake that I created out of 32 nude bodies. And I think that'll be released sometime in the month around when this podcast is out. And then in the last year, I also started working on a personal hunch story where I'm trying to point to action sport and all of the outdoor activity that we like to do is this new generation of sport sort of in the history of humankind. So that starts from thinking about like running or jumping like Olympic sports originally. And then the second generation would be um, skilled sports that you might need to do for your culture. So archery or something like that, that might integrate some tools and some equipment. Then when the industrial revolution happens, we moved into a lot of team sport because you would have regulated time off. So everyone would recreate at one point. And then they can also be sort of like war games of us versus them. You can be sort of nationalistic. And now we're moving into this generation of sport where everything is sort of fluid. You can be a little bit of a downhill skier. You could be a racer. You could be a backcountry free skier. You could be someone working on creative projects. And we're sort of seeing this like blossoming and divergence of tons of different sports. And I've been trying to photograph that in different places, seeing how those sports what they mean to different people. So one of those was like shooting some rock climbers in Shanghai, where out of all of the sports that they could could want to do, they're choosing rock climbing, even though Shanghai is not a very um, mountainous area. That's how people express themselves and how they recreate. Whoa, where'd you come up with this idea? This sounds awesome. Uh, it actually, I started working on it after Eclipse, which was another one of these creative projects. Um, I was talking with the editors of National Geographic and sort of noticing that they have rock climbing and alpinism in their magazine, in their flagship magazine, but almost no other sport ever fits in that. They don't really see um, all of these sports as culturally relevant. They, um, because they are, they skew towards wealthier sport, I think that they don't feel like they're representative of the world and overall. But I, I really do think that these things are incredibly uh, massive. And we also don't, like we use the word action sport, but it sort of seems like the, sort of sounds like extreme sports to me, where that's like a, it, it's just pointing to the freak show kind of side of these, where there's a lot of people recreating in a very different way. And that's a really massive cultural change in the world, but we don't really think or talk about that in that way. We don't really see it as this, new significant thing that everyone's riding mountain bikes, but it's actually really weird and really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So how do you end up in conversations with National Geographic when there are, you know, thousands of photographers in the world? Uh, That specific opportunity comes around at the Banff Mountain Film Festival, which is like one part film festival and then one part, uh, it sort of just feels like a a staff meeting or like a staff celebration for every all the freelancers in um, mm-hmm. action sport. So a lot of people end up in this area, and we can you can run into anyone and chat with whoever you want at all of these who are from these really influential places in the um, action sport industry. And I ended up talking to Sadie Courier a little bit um, after the premiere of the film that I, I was in called Eclipse. And then the next year, mm-hmm. I brought this idea forward to her and said, hey, like, what do you think about this? And so far, I don't think it's going to end up being a project in the magazine. It's a little bit loose-ended and 
big and wide and it's not it needs a little bit of time to work on it but maybe it's a mm -hmm. two-year project maybe it's a 20-year project maybe it's a lifetime thing who knows that's awesome i i love that you are interested in the slow burn for, for your creative work I, I don't i try not to aim for it but it seems to be where yeah. most things end up that they take a lot longer <laughs> to really get things through the process like this nebula film one that i mentioned before it's funny it's a single photograph and like the photograph takes maybe a minute to actually shoot the thing but i've been working on it for two years so it's a really ridiculous comparison yeah, let's talk about that. Let's tell us all about the Nebula film and the and the photograph and what okay. that evolved into. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that I did in my career that uh, the first photograph that garnered a bit of attention was this photograph of a skier under the Northern Lights, and that was something that I was interested in doing creatively, but also looking for uh, a single photograph that might gather a bit of attention and be a good marketing platform. And then after that, I brought an idea to go shoot during a solar eclipse to Solomon Skis. And we ended up making a movie called Eclipse. Um, well, I shouldn't say we ended up making a movie. They made a movie about me without letting me, well, they were trying to not really let me know that I was on camera as much as I was. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it was a good decision by the director, but it was sort of funny because I could, when there's a camera pointing in your face, you, you definitely know. So... Um, but they were yeah. tr they were trying to not lead on too much that it was actually going to be a movie mostly orienting it around the creation of this photograph. And then after the su success of that, I had this idea for uh, Nebula, and I didn't know if I wanted to chase it or not because it seemed a bit grandiose and ridiculous. And it sort of started from thinking, like, what would happen if I shot a photo with a massive telescope? Like, could I commandeer one of those, like, mountaintop telescopes in... Uh, like Hawaii or something, one of those ones that's a huge building size. And could you figure out how to shoot an action sport photo with that thing? Um, turns out no one wants to let me rent one of those things or they want to charge you $100,000 an hour. Mm -hmm. So after figuring mm -hmm. out that that wasn't an option, I started looking into what you can actually shoot from Earth. Um, and there's a whole culture of astrophotography. So a bunch of people with these big telescopes that will go out into the middle of farmer's fields and shoot pictures of the sky and I started trying to figure out how I could create a hybrid of that really really long lens photography and ski photography and um, went out once tried failed and then went out a second time and we got very lucky last year and ended up creating this ski photograph with the skier Nick McNutt and then since then we've been working on a film that uh, should be online as of November 6th. Perfect. We will put a link to that film in our show notes for sure. Right on. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely the most frustrating and biggest learning process that I've had sort of wrapped up in one. Um, the whole world of astrophotography is like, it's technical beyond belief because you're doing really, really interesting stuff with computer processing and with um, big lenses and understanding exactly where the earth is in the universe at any point in time and how fast it's spinning and where you are on the earth and harmonizing all of this information to try to point a lens at one thing for 30 seconds or a whole night to get a good, single good photograph of some of the really cool stuff that's out in outer space. So it was really hard to figure out. And 
sort of still surprised that we ended up getting the photo. Now looking back, I was watching some raw footage yesterday and man, it was a ridiculous experience. I love your approach with curiosity of just being like, well, huh, that won't work. How about if I try this? How about if I try this? And I think as a, as a creative, that's, um, what makes you keep going instead of giving up? Um, I think I've just gotten used to failing often enough and working through that, that I just always understand that failure is part of the process, that failure is only really a failure if you cease trying anymore. So like after the, after the big failure two years ago with Nebula Film, we're heading back and driving back on snowmobiles and I'm thinking to myself like, no, I, I had everything right I, up until an hour up until the hour where I could shoot the photograph, I thought that we were going to succeed. So it's only up to me to choose whether or not I'm going to continue pursuing this and choose whether or not this is actually a failure or just a learning experience. Um, and I, I think that with creativity, a lot of people think that they don't get to call themselves creative unless they create at a high caliber or that they're actually going to create something good by the end of the process. Um, where I think it's just more of an expression of any time you want to try to make a thing and then um, continue trying to learn and develop that skill. Um, like no one who picks up a guitar is good at it right away. It's, it's a learning process and the whole thing of it is actually really beautiful and good. It's not just when you learn how to play a guitar like Jimi Hendrix, can you call yourself creative and enjoy the process. Hey Lisa, you like colors. I love colors. Did you know that you can get beautiful hair color sent right to your door and you can do it at home? What are you talking about? Some people color their hair and they don't want to have to go to a salon. That sounds really amazing. It sounds like they know how to use the color wheel. You know who else knows how to use a color wheel? Who? A creative agency called Wheelie. They're based out of Whitefish, Montana and work with clients all over the country wheeliecreative.com. Check it out the next time your business needs branding, color advice, strategy, execution, photography, design, good vibes. Anything you'd ever need, except for hair color. We don't do that. I love what Ruben says about being a creative and being an artist. It doesn't have to mean that you're perfectly successful or everything you make is perfect that you never fail. It's totally a process to be a creative. I agree, Iris. And I mean, you're on our creative team here at Wheelie. And I feel like that's a situation that we encounter every day. It's all learning and growing and changing. And especially what you do with social media, being able to adapt constantly to make sure you stay trending. Hashtag trending. Um, I think, I think, you know, enjoying that process and trusting that process is important. Yeah. And don't be afraid to label yourself as a creative or an artist, because whether you have crazy gallery showings or you just like to paint in your spare time, you're totally an artist. You're creating art. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to Ruben. And the word of the month on our podcast is cultivation. So everybody is talking a little bit about what that word means to them. So when you hear the word cultivation, what comes up for you? 
for me, if I hear the word cultivation, I think that means uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the inspirations that I have and where I gather new ideas. So if my Instagram is full of fluffy dogs and a whole bunch of ski photography from other people who shoot near me and uh, create similar content to me, then my I think it's inevitable that my work will be very, very similar to everyone else's. But I put effort into trying to cultivate inspirations that are much further abroad from my own discipline. So I'm trying to pull in ideas from science or from music. And um, I don't want to be making stuff that's too similar to Blake Jorgensen or another photographer who's working in the same area as me. I'd rather pick up ideas from somewhere really absurd and try to remix them into what I do. So if that's what the word cultivation sort of means to me, and or at least today that's what it means to me. <laughs> like surrounding yourself with ideas and concepts outside of your industry. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that fits for most other um, crafts, but I think it's really important for photography to not be borrowing ideas and remixing ideas from buddy next door. You want it, something really absurd and further away. Maybe that's also just my style. I like that. What uh, what do you think makes a great photo? Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about this sort of recently, but we never we we rarely use the word interesting. But I think that the whole thing often boils down to just what is actually interesting. Um, is it interesting in what it's saying? It's is it interesting in how it's being done? Is the photography of something that's topical or something that is new and fresh? Um, so. I don't need photography to be easily digestible necessarily, but I just need the content of it to be something that I want to pay attention to. Um, photography to me is fundamentally communication. It's showing a person a thing and it's communicating in between the two of us. And if the thing you're saying, if the things you're showing or how you say them aren't interesting, no one's going to engage. So it doesn't, I don't, I don't know if that litmus test works for other people, but that for me is still fundamental to what I'm trying to do is just keep reinventing and finding new ways to look at something that might be um, familiar or show something that's not familiar at all in the new space. And I'm super curious for you specifically, how do you rope athletes into this process? Because a lot of your photos are in the middle of the night or it looks like maybe very early morning. So how do you, as a photographer, bring athletes into your creative process? Um, it's, it's, it hasn't always been easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that because a lot of the work that I've done hasn't necessarily had a huge emph emphasis on athlete performance, that it might be a little bit less interesting for the athlete to be involved in. So for Nebula, Nick only came out that one night and he still really didn't even understand what was happening. So for, for Nick, he's a guy that I've shot with and I've skied with and I could just sort of rope him into this idea and be like, look, man, this thing is not going to make any sense the entire time. Just stay safe and trust me that this thing's going to be pretty cool and pretty out there. And I think now in my career, I've got a bit of validity to, be, to convince people to do this stuff, but it would definitely be a lot harder earlier. Um, for the Aurora photograph, the one that sort of launched my career, um, this skier for that was Tobin Siegel, and he had been working with other photographers, specifically Jordan Manley, prior to that. And 
I think he started to develop also a little bit of a, his own sense of what is or isn't going to be interesting and new. So when I mentioned this idea of the Aurora photo photograph and I was expecting him to be like, oh, that sounds a bit funky, like whatever. But all of a sudden his like eyes brightened up and it was like, yeah, this sounds interesting. That totally sounds like something that we need to do. Um, so it's sort of case by case, but it takes uh, a lot of cracks at the bat, talk with a lot of people until you can find uh, the right people to collaborate with. You need to put yourself out there a bit. Absolutely. And you have to be out there physically as well with the skier. So um, how do you navigate that? Do you have a particular like jacket and big gloves you use every time? Or what are some of your like pro tips for actually being out in the elements in the dark with your camera gear? Um, with uh, photography gear, I think it's really important to just have really good gear. You don't want to have problems with anything that you're using. I've been using f-stop camera bags for a long time. Um, and they've been, they're designed for people who are moving in backcountry areas with photography. So it's exactly what you need. And it's going to keep your back as happy as possible, as long as possible. Um, you need to just take care of your hands and your toes. So I now have toe warmers on my ski boots and um, other people look at me and sort of laugh being like, oh, that's just for rich people and 60 year old people. And I'm like, I don't know, frost, frostbite's not very cool. I don't know why you need to think that's awesome to just be getting frozen all of the time. Um, and, uh, I don't know what other tips you necessarily need. A lot of it's just a learning process and also making sure that you keep an emphasis on safety in your process. Cause you're like, when we talk about being creative, sometimes we talk about like getting a little bit of tunnel vision, like where you get into a flow state and you really hone in on the thing that you want. And it could be really easy to wander under a crevasse if you're sort of just paying so much attention to the blue ice that's around you. And then you stop really being concerned with safety. So that's uh, one of the things that's really hard is harmonizing safety in the backcountry because um, there's also no, there's no learning process for this in a um, proper way. Like you can't go to a ski guiding company and say, hey, teach me how to be a ski photographer in mountain terrain. They'll just be like, well, never stop on slope and never ski with two people on slope. And you're sort of thinking like, well, I, all of these other photographers have done it before. How do I do it? And you need to develop methods and processes to know you're going to always be safe and um, learn how to not bend or break rules, but to make sure you follow rules in very interesting and specific ways to stay safe. Absolutely. And what is your response when people, well, sometimes people are like, let's not bring cameras. Let's just be present. But for me, having a camera in my hands allows me to be the most present I can possibly be because I'm looking at lighting and I'm looking at, um, you know, the way that, that a slope may be or how an athlete moves. And it like makes me hyper aware of everything around me. And I think that's kind of that flow state you were mentioning earlier. So like, what does that feel like for you? Uh, yeah, I, I can affirm that I really do find I'm uh, extremely present when I'm using a camera, but I also am interrupting the normal way that a person recreates when I am shooting. So I think mm -hmm. it's just important to have both of those things and then also allow for like carefree fun during the shoot for a little bit and then go back to work and make sure that you keep 
um, a good energy going through a shoot so that the athlete still stays invested and happy. Because like, also, if you're shooting lifestyle, often it's pretty boring stuff to shoot for the model. They're just hanging out and trying to smile a lot. But if you can keep joking with the uh, person and keep making the process enjoyable, that'll help. Um, but for, for myself, I, I definitely ski without a camera almost as much as I ski with a camera. But then when I ski with a camera, it's like a work day. And both of those are their own flow states for me. The one is more like an athletic pursuit. The other one's going to be more of a um, creative space. Yes. And I am really enjoying what you're saying, kind of about the customer service side of being, <laughs> being a photographer and like making sure your athletes are happy. What uh like, what can you say about that? Because I don't know how many people are talking about that right now. Um, well, I've talked with other people, like other amateur photographers, when I teach a session that they have a hard time getting people to stop during one of the times that they're going out skiing or something. But if skiing, if, if photography isn't the explicit um, goal of the day, then I don't think it's sort of right to be interrupting everyone else's recreation to, go, to concentrate on your own thing. Um, you need to be working in a partnership and a collaboration. Um, so that that is really important to make it sort of explicit, I think, and just choose, is this a shoot day or is this, is this run a shoot run and then next run we're going to, like, party. Um, and then as far as trying to... I think empathy is super important in both the photography or doing photography with the models, but then... Also, just any time in business, in any respect, empathy is always going to be helping. Like, know your client. That phrase is basically empathize with people. Empathize with the people that you work with. And it's really important to understand what their goals and needs are, what their struggles are. Is their year hard in business right now? Then just, like, knowing that and then relating to that can also make the shoot more enjoyable when you're talking with everyone. Um, you can share what your tips are for self-care in the action sport creative space. So how do you actually make sure that you keep your head on your shoulders and stay happy? And that kind of empathy with the people you're working with is always going to make everything better. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Iris. Do you sleep in a bed? Mo is that a trick question? <laughs> Most nights I do. Do you have sheets on that bed? Um, yes. Are you in love with your sheets? No. Well, that's sad because you should really be in love with your sheets. There are some amazing sheet technology out there now. Speaking of technology, I know of an amazing creative agency called Wheelie. It's for brands who thrive outside and it's the one-stop shop for anything your business needs from digital strategy to creative production, to social media management, photography, talent sourcing, speaking events, all kinds of good things that are creative. You can find this creative agency online at wheeliecreative.com. Check them out. Holy sheet. Lisa, we talk about customer service a lot here at Wheelie, obviously. We do. Um, we call it Custy Serves because mm -hmm. it's more fun than saying customer service. But we talk about Custy Serves all the time because... Tons of people create and tons of people have a platform for creating. And that's, that's fantastic with what Instagram has done for the, I guess, the entire creative industry. But I think at the end of the day, people hire you 
you know, who's our listeners and Ruben and us, like people hire you as a specific person because of your customer service and because of what you as an individual bring to the table. So it's phenomenally important to show up and look people in the eye and know that you're capturing, you're in someone's world when you're behind a camera and there's honor in that and joy and love and craft. Yeah, it can be hard to get caught up in that flow state. So you always got to keep in mind that you're working with other people and their needs have to be important too. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to Ruben when he talks about how he takes care of himself while he's traveling and shooting. What's your answer to that question? How do you keep your head on your shoulders and stay happy? Uh, I, I, I try to make sure that I recreate enough. That's super crucial. Um, and then, and that means probably without a camera. Um, and then I try not to avoid also taking care of my body. Uh, it's a pretty demanding job. And currently I'm still working through a bit of a knee injury that sabotaged half of my winter last year. And I need to take care of that and take care of myself in order to be able to do my job or take care of other people. Um, so I, I think we can sometimes shrug things off for too long or hope that things will get better. But I think it's really important to be making sure you take care of yourself properly. And if you work from, and if you work from your home office, make sure you get a good espresso machine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and, um, are you, you travel a lot, right? So, um, you know, how do you, kind of work on your self-care while you're on the road for work? Um, I, I don't travel too much anymore. I've been strategically trying to change my business so that I can actually spend a bit more time at home and then also to be conscious of my carbon footprint as I travel. But then when I do travel and now when I'm, say, I'm going to be in Bant for the next week, I've got my foam roller. I'm going to commit to the, the fact I'm going to be in the gym three days a week. And it sort of feels funny to spend your time inside at this hotel when you could be out in nature. But for me, I need to do those things in order to get better. So it's just sort of treating more things like a job and making less things optional to like for myself in my head. I'm no matter what, I'm going to have to go take care of myself. That's, that's part of my job now. Yeah, that's a really good way to approach it too, that your body is your job. And uh, unpacking properly in a hotel room, like putting things into drawers and into the closet is actually such a nice experience. If you're ever going to be in a hotel for more than three nights, try it out. You're like, it's a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> it's do, do you ever do that? Do you do that? Um, no, I don't. I don't. I tend to just build a pile. <laughs> yeah, try it out next time and you will be like mind-blown that you're, you have happier experience while you're traveling when you do that stuff. I will. I will try that out. That's a good tip. Um, what's what's your advice to other photographers when they want to work with agencies? And how is that different in your experience than working directly with a brand? Uh, if you're going to be working with agencies, uh, I think it's still tr important to try to make sure that the conversation still involves the client and the agency to make sure that you're not suffering from a game of telephone where one person says one thing to the other and then to the next one. So make sure that the communication is really clear is definitely incredibly useful. 
Um, and then in order to develop a good relationship with anyone, I think it's, or to work well with anyone, I always think it's good to develop a better relationship with people. So if you can end up meeting people in person or actually spending time skiing together, biking together in order to just sort of get to know each other, that's always going to be useful in any creative process or any lifestyle process, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as an agency owner, having having a roster of photographers who can, you know, go out in the middle of the night to get a shot and they are dependable um, is, is totally invaluable. Mm-hmm. How do you end up sourcing and choosing photographers to work with? How does that process work for you? Because even for photographers, that always feels really uh, really vague. Like sometimes you get an email in your inbox and it's like, did my marketing actually work or is this just chance? Like, how do I, how do I learn to cultivate this and make this actually happen more? There's our word of the month. Yeah, it is. Um, that's, it's really fortunate to work in the outdoor industry because we get to go to these cool events and like outdoor retailer or, uh, the Jackson hole powwow or anything like that. And we get to meet other people within the industry and just sort of grow this network organically. Um, so mm-hmm. most of the time we meet photographers at events or um, through a friend of a friend, or they just stop into our office in Whitefish and ask which trail they should ride while they're in town. Um, you know, so, but usually it just is like a face-to-face meeting um, right. by chance almost. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's beautiful and it's also frustrating because sometimes if you're like if you're hungry and if you don't have enough work and you're trying to think, okay, how can I actually do some outreach marketing? Unfortunately, all that stuff is a little bit interruptive and it's it it doesn't have that same beautiful feeling of um, a serendipitous meeting. It's it's sort of like uh, if you're at a wedding and the wedding story of how the two met. Did they meet on Tinder or did they meet in real life? Like it's it's sort of. It, it's, <laughs> As much as much as all of those tools are good and okay, we still yeah. sort of love those other versions a little bit more. So I think that makes sense to point out. Like, yeah, it's still about face to face meeting and putting yourself, uh, putting yourself in the right situation where serendipity can happen. Does that sort of sound right for you? Oh, absolutely. And and photographers are wonderful, wonderful humans. Uh, you know, some of them or any creative personality doesn't really like the sales side of business, but it is just so important to bring your personality into your work without a camera as well as with a camera. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how is your process different when you're doing these amazing films and long projects as opposed to a commercial project for some of your clients like the North Face or G3? Uh, when... Uh, I'm going to start from a funny spot on this. Uh, Maybe about six years ago, I ended up going to a lecture at a local university. And the conversation was about the difference between creativity in science and creativity in artistic pursuits. And um, the lecturer sort of was pulling apart these two types of creativity and acknowledging them both. But in a scientific field, you're, you have a direction that you sort of have to go because there is going to be success or you're going to find that your experiment, experiment works or doesn't work. But science is a very creative space as well. And then on the art side, he was saying that like it's a place of blossoming, of divergence, where everything gets different over time. 
And commercial to editorial or self-assigned is sort of similar, that in personal projects, you can continue to diverge as much as you want, and you're not necessarily only trying to get yourself to one point, where in the commercial sense, you're going to be looking for certain things. They're trying to pull out uh, certain aesthetics from a landscape and certain emotions from models. So you have sort of a direction that you have to go to, to, to succeed. And that is one of the main things that's governing the difference between the process of how to shoot one or the other. And do you like doing commercial work? Yeah, I enjoy most of my work with photography. And sometimes I'll do other work, like maybe architecture or interior design. And I still would say that like commercial action sport photography is uh, still such an enjoyable experience compared to some of those other ones where there's even less creativity or the process. You're not out playing around in the mountains. You're at home or in some city working on a, um, on a commercial set. So um, all of the commercial work is still really, really inspiring and a whole bunch of fun. And sometimes I think it, I, th- I think that the, I think commercial work is also sort of harder because there is sort of a finish line that you have to achieve. So I think I get more nervous about commercial work than I do about, um, creative stuff because creative you can call anything your final product where commercial you you don't get to call it quits until you achieve this aesthetic yeah that's a really good point and also you know when you're making work for someone how much of it really belongs to you um if you get lawyers to look at contracts then most of it or all of it actually actually belongs to me as a photographer but um, I think I get think you were pointing more as the uh, conceptual side of what you were saying that yeah not that much of it um, belongs to you as a artist um, in the same way that it doesn't feel um, like a um, authentic um, organic expression of yourself. Exactly, exactly that yeah. But it's still you know being a photographer or being a creative or a designer is still. So, so fun, uh, compared to a lot of jobs out there. So I would take, Mm -hmm. I would take the most boring commercial project in the creative industry (laughs) than a lot of other jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I watched Nebula, the film, um, and it was amazing. And I would love for our audience to be able to watch that as well. Is there a place online that they can find it or how can our audience find that? Um, if you search my name, Ruben Krabba, there's a link off of my website. If you just go to www.nebula-film.com, that's the film's home site and you can find it there. Awesome. And where else can people follow you online? Um, I'm pretty much an Instagram only. I have Twitter and Facebook, but they're sort of not as useful. And my handle on Instagram is R-E-U-B-E-N. K-R-A-B-B-E, Ruben Krabba. Yeah, and your work is beautiful. Everybody should Thank check it much. out. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you think our audience would like to know? Um, no, I think that would be about it. Um, and then maybe in the Nebula side of things, and even also for your podcast, um, sharing work that you think is cool and interesting and So if that's this podcast or if that's Nebula Film, all of those shares are extremely valuable to us. So if you like this stuff, please share. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. 
Thanks so much, Ruben, for being on the show today. We loved having you. And thanks for sharing all of your knowledge with our listeners. You can follow Ruben at all the links in the sh- that we have in the show notes, as well as find his latest film, Nebula. And you can just click the little show notes and it'll take you right to it. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye.